1: All right, here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Busy day at the legislature here. Day one of David Eby, just sworn in as premier on Friday. So it's his first day in the legislature. So busy, I had
2: to be here at 7.30 wow. to bring Eby into my office for a live hit on the, our morning news. He's so, doing a
1: lot of availability. He's doing a lot of announcements.
2: He, he actually did another media interview from my desk because we yeah. were running late. So he, he was booked for a radio interview. So he had to do that. So, yeah, he's... He says he wanted to hit the ground running. Right. He's hit the ground running. I mean, yeah. uh, no sooner had he been sworn in on Friday than he announced the the, the credits for Hydro and this uh, cost of living credit. Followed it up with a pretty significant and multi-pronged announcement yesterday on the safe community plan. Yes. Which is interesting and implements a lot of things that um, a lot of people, including the BC Liberals, have said could have been implemented a lot sooner than now. And just in a half hour, he's going to be announcing um, some legislation regarding housing, both on the supply side and on the renter side.
1: Yeah, and he's given a few kind of hints on the housing. Like this morning, he was talking about rental. He wants to have more rental available, right? He also talked about working working with municipalities well, to create more housing.
2: It'll be interesting. He suggested back when he was running for leader yeah. uh, about uh, reaching over the heads of municipalities when it came to issues like zoning and such, and he talked about um, establishing, you know, the ability to put three or four houses on a lot. Uh, I'm not sure if that's part of today or not, but um, he certainly in, uh, talked about a, a much greater role for the provincial government in ensuring. Uh, housing supply was increased than over what municipalities may be comfortable with.
1: Okay, like you mentioned, he said, I'm going to hit the ground running. Watch me. I'm going to be moving quickly. He does appear to be moving quickly. He's making lots of announcements. I like that. He's he's very available to the media, which I think is good. But, you know, there's always a honeymoon period here at the start, you know, and we'll, oh, yeah. we'll see how it goes. Oh,
2: yeah. There's a method to this. I mean, he wants to establish the fact that he's the premier. He's the leader. This is no longer the John Horgan government. This is a David Eby government. So he's not the AG, yet he made an announcement that's basically about the attorney general on on, um, Sunday. Uh, He's not the finance minister, but he made the announcement about the credits on Friday, which is all to do with uh, money from the Treasury. And today he's going to be doing the housing announcement. Um, But again, I I think he's going to be front and center at a number of announcements over the next few weeks and months, potentially, to establish in in the public's mind and eye that he is the leader of this government. Then I expect him to take a bit of a step back and allow the ministers, um, potentially after December 7th when he swears in his cabinet, I'm um, not sure how many changes are going to be there, but then let his ministers take control uh, of the files and be, have their faces front and centre. But okay. for the next couple of weeks, this is all about David Eby.
1: Yeah, let's have a listen to him here. Here is David Eby here speaking yesterday about his these early days agenda. Have a listen. In the first week of the legislature, you'll see us working hard, putting in the hours to make sure that the commitments around housing and health care and public safety and a clean economy are delivered for them.
2: Uh, and uh, we'll earn that trust every day. Okay, so he's Well, put it in, in the, put it in the hours. Yeah. well, There's the hours, not, many, not many hours left, though. Well, they've extended the sitting, though. So they're okay. going to be sitting until 11 o'clock every night. Wow. Um, because there's
1: only one week left of this, this is session, right? Four there's days. Four days, right.
2: Uh, they may open up another committee room, the Birch Room, to make that another mini-house. Um, the Liberals are not too happy, neither are the Greens, about two bills being dropped on them. In the 11th hour of the session, potentially not enough time to scrutinize them and debate, but. They're going to have four days with extended sitting. So I think it works out to the equivalent of two weeks instead of one week when you add on the extra hours and potentially the extra mm. the extra committee room.
1: And the idea is to pass these bills this week, or would they stay on the order paper until the spring?
2: I suspect they're going to be passed this week.
1: Okay. But will the Liberals go along with this? Are they going to cooperate?
2: We don't know yet because we haven't uh, seen the bills. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I suspect the Liberals would probably side with uh, measures to increase uh, housing and sure. protect renters. But we'll see. Again, the opposition's not going to tip its hand until they see the legislation, which is still a few minutes away.
1: Okay, let's talk a little bit about what he announced yesterday. So mm-hmm. he talked about keeping these violent repeat offenders locked up, keep them in jail until their trial, do not release them on bail, especially if we, you know, we've seen so many cases of guys with literally hundreds of police files and many of them violent crimes yep. who re-offend and they're just released back into the public to do it all over again so he says he's going to do something about that he's talked about these new response teams to keep these violent offenders locked up now i i asked kevin falcon about this this morning the bc liberal leader on this precise point here's what he had to say to me a short time ago and I'll get your thoughts
2: yeah i almost feel angry Uh, And the reason is this is such a cynical and shameless approach that he's taken. He has been the attorney general for almost five and a half years under this NDP government since day one. And for five and a half years, his specific policies resulted in the explosion of crime and social chaos and disorder that we've seen through every community in this province. He did nothing. Your thoughts. Well, I'm not sure it was Evie's policies that resulted in this explosion of crime, but Falcon's correct in pointing out that um, he, when he was the Attorney General, he had the power to do what he's doing now. Oh well, yeah, which is uh, sending this special directive to Crown Council to, to change the um, their approach. And what is
1: this directive like? It kicks in yet tomorrow? Tomorrow, I think which he's...
2: basically toughens up the Crown's approach to bail conditions right. uh, for prolific violent offenders. Right, not just roll over and let them go out again, and, and with a promise to appear you know, after they have done three assaults, promised to come back. And
1: the way E.B. described it yesterday it was this would be like a, a team approach about of Crown, police, probation officers.
2: Coordinated response, um, coordinated team uh, to ensure that these violent offenders don't just simply walk out on the street again. But again, Falcon and the Liberals were pointing out this could have been done um, at any time in the past. And in fact, the Liberals have made this special directive issue an issue in this current legislative session. They were
1: calling for that weeks ago. Back
2: in October. Right, Uh, This came up in question period constantly, and the Attorney General Murray Rankin, who sort of replaced David Eby for the leadership run, kept deflecting um, and not really uh, uh, acknowledging that he was going to do anything like this. And then suddenly Eby becomes premier, and what do you know? It's going to be done.
1: EB was asked yesterday, okay, this all sounds great on the surface. He seems to be saying the right things that I think the public generally wants to hear. But then he was also asked, well, what is how do you what are the deliverables here? How do you measure the outcome of this? And he agreed that that's that's crucial that there has to be this has to be effective, it has to work. Well, So, how is that going to be be measured like if we continue to see guys like this mohammed Majidpour, who we've talked about on the show this is the guy who's got this long violent criminal record Mm. he's accused of hitting a young woman over the head with a pole in downtown vancouver use a racial slur against her and then he's released he's released again like if we continue to see those type of stories appear then this would be a failure would it not?
2: Well, as these stories continue to appear like this. That this and again, if if the evidence keeps coming back, and it's been brought in front of the house before, someone with four hundred police interactions, police incidents. If that keeps happening, then this isn't working. And the other factor here is the judges. You can do. You can make all the arguments you want in front of a judge. It, the government's not going to control a judge. The judge will determine whether someone gets released or not. So there's still that's one piece of the puzzle. That is yet to be answered.
1: Listening closely to what E.B. had to say about this yesterday, it almost sounds like he was describing a, a broken system that that these various officials in the justice system don't seem to talk to each other or communicate. Well, there was a, he says, now we're going to be all on the same page, the Crown, the probation officers, the police. Now we're all going to work well, together they, like they, they weren't working together before.
2: If you recall, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, the head of the criminal justice system put an op-ed piece out that said this was all exaggerated. All these problems were exaggerated. The crime rate was down. Then you had the Lapard report commissioned by the government that said precisely the opposite that pointed out violent crime is actually up in many places. The crime rate, the overall crime rate did go down in the pandemic because the the most common crimes, B&Es and car um, uh, thefts or or, uh, crimes. Well, People were staying home and working, so B&E's declined significantly. Car-related crimes uh, declined because people weren't driving downtown and parking. Everybody was working from home. But the, while the overall crime rate was down, the violent crime rate is up significantly in places like Vancouver and Kelowna and Victoria. And when you got the head of the criminal justice branch sort of dismissing all this, this is an issue, this, this is really not an issue, nothing to see here, folks. Um, that shows a, a disconnect between the political side of the government, the minister, and the criminal justice side, who said, you know, there's really no problem here. And the minister saying, now is saying, the government's saying, no, there is a problem. So there is right. a disconnect there. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get
1: $200 back in bonus bets if you win.
2: Ooh, we're heating up, fam. He just can't miss tonight. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on Fanduel. On New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel.
0: It goes down in the field. It go down, it go down in the field.
2: 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest. that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: Baldry's beat. Phone lines are open. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. i got open lines right now. Doug in Surrey. Hi, Doug. Go ahead.
0: Hi, Mike and Keith. When I heard David Eby making himself an announcement about uh, hydro uh, breaks, uh, I wondered if they would apply to uh, people like me that live on a CPP uh, pension. Uh, if uh, when Clark and her connected friends jam smart meters down our throat, it only comes in uh, every two months, but I just watch my hydro build double. And, uh, and uh, we live in buildings that are ancient almost, and... Uh, Got baseboard heaters they're just a money magnet and uh if he gives us a break on our hydro bills for people like me uh our best earning years are behind us uh he'll he'll make instant friends of everybody that rents in this in this building for starters and the province because uh oh this well, was, was a jam job for uh clark and her friends
1: okay well it sounds like he's going to give you a hundred bucks is that going to make you happy
0: it's a big deal that uh, this month that will uh, pay with about thirty bucks in the bank
1: oh okay, thank you for that okay so this is it's a one time rebate hundred dollars
2: all hydro rate payers and um, and other customers if you 're on I think the West Kootenay um, power power yeah and such uh, yeah it's a hundred bucks' not the first time a government's given a hydro rebate I mean this was, guy
1: was sworn in about twenty minutes and he's already <laughs> cutting checks to people exactly. and wow. it's
2: interesting uh, the NDP decried. When the liberals use crown corporations as political picky banks, yeah, uh, whether it was ICBC to move money over to help balance the budget or things with hydro, the NDP government in the 90s did the same thing. Every government uses crown corporations for political purposes. When they're in opposition, they condemn the practice. When they're in government – it's basically normal practice. What
1: if you live in an apartment building and your utilities are included in your rent? Someone actually sent me an email about that on the weekend.
2: You're, you're drilling down pretty far on that
1: because yeah, sure. I because I didn't know the answer to it either. Yeah, I don't know. So you know, was does your inter- landlord get thing. the uh, well? Get that's the bucks? You know, I got an email from a listener saying, "Is this me? My landlord's going to get my hundred dollars? Does he have to give me the hundred bucks yeah. if my if my heat is included in my?" I'll have rent? to sort it of the- out. 604-280-9898. If you call right now, you're going to get through. Star 9898 on your cell. Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning, guys. Uh, listening to David Eby's story uh, coming from a former NDP voter, he will not get my vote. This, this guy, this is so calculated, so political, all his announcements. And ultimately, to me, what he is saying is, with John Horgan, is he saying John Horgan is an abject failure? Over the last five years, he says Crown doesn't talk with... They weren't talking with the government. We're going to be on the same page. Well, what was happening in there for five years? Crime is out of control, and now he's going to come in and be the hero? Sorry, Kevin Falcon hit the nail on the head there, guys. You have a good day.
0: Okay, well,
1: thank you. Well, I don't know. It sounds to me like Eby's saying what the public wants him to say. But saying saying it's one thing, delivering on it is another. Yeah,
2: I think this. A safe community plan has been well-received by yeah. Vancouver Mayor Ken Sim, by Vancouver Police, by and who, who
1: are all there at the news conference. Everyone
2: was there at the news yeah. conference. But you're right. The proof is in the delivery. We'll yeah. see if the stats change significantly in the months ahead. If we still see cases of chronic violent offenders out on the street very quickly, I think we're going to hear about it pretty quick because now the police are, are the ones talking about, about these guys getting out. But if we suddenly see these guys not getting out... That's one of the benchmarks that we're looking at in terms of whether this is successful or not.
1: Okay, another big priority for David Eby right now is the healthcare system, and we've seen these staff shortages. He's talked about the the million, you know, the million British, British Columbians don't have a family doctor. Uh, we see the problems at BC Children's Hospital. In the next segment here, Keith, I'm going to be speaking to a young, a young couple from Victoria and how they were trying, they were on a list for their six-month-old son mm-hmm. to get heart surgery at BC Children's Hospital last week. They were over there. They were staying at Ronald McDonald House ready for the surgery for their for their infant son. And guess what? Gets canceled last minute. Staff shortage at <coughs> BC Children's so Hospital. Thing, that is coming up here in the next segment. So, like, How is Eby going to fix that?
2: So one of the things Eve's talking about, and Adrian Dix has been working on this for some time, and, and Dix has talked about this as well, is getting foreign-trained professionals into the system. E. B. talks about he met a, a couple uh, who was working for the, one of the Fraser Valley school boards. One, I think you know, the husband's a doctor, and I think the wife is a nurse. Fully right. fully a- accredited in foreign countries, fully able to practice here, but not allowed to practice in, in their professions, even though they're trained. So that's one of the things to look for in the coming weeks, measures to ensure foreign-trained doctors, foreign-trained health practitioners are going to be able to enter the system as doctors, not as...